Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, John, with Triaxis. And I'm joined by my fellow hosts, who will now speak where they're, where they're from. Come on! Well, oh, I guess it is me, isn't it? I'm so used to... Okay, I'm Talon from MachineWise. And I'm David from Contraption Collection. Nice. Man, Someday that, we'll get it right. That almost started out really professionally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Let me, uh, I had things to talk about. I wrote them in a Google Doc, but oh. podcast notes. Oh boy. <laughs> so I started doing this thing where, like, during the day, I'm like, man, I should really write whatever weird piece of knowledge this is down because I'm never going to remember it kind of thing. Okay. So what I've, what I've been doing is just opening like a Google Docs, uh, like a blank doc every day that just has yep. the like date on it. And then I just put that thought or note down. And then the next day I just open another one. And so my hope is this is really like a horrible way to do things as far as like actual useful information. But what I'm thinking is at some point in the future, Google's silly AI is going to either be able to search everything that's been like generated inside any Google related uh, environment and hopefully be able to pull data from it. So like if you ask it a question about, Hey, that tumbling problem I was having, I can't find it. Could you find mm. it for me? I'm hoping that yeah. functionality becomes a thing because that would really make this really uh, scatterbrained workflow or just thought writing down process be useful. If not, it's just a bunch of like insane notes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, aren't you part of like more Discord communities than I am or something where you could uh, throw out some of those questions? Um. Yeah, so sometimes, like, I will ask questions, I guess. Like, there's the Instant Machinist Discord, which is really good, and you should join it if, you know, you like machining. But, right. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about that one. So I, like, so I asked the, I had a, of course, a hard milling issue. Oh, so I was in the CAD CAM channel talking about service finishes and stuff. And I'm pretty sure I seemed, started to seem deranged because... It got kind of in the weeds and then nobody replied. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I got it. I'll figure it out. But yeah. So how many people are in that server? Um, quite a bit. Is there a way to see like server amounts? It does quite it a bit. I mean, there's like side. always people active. Yeah. There is always people active. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds um, very useful. Currently, I don't know how Discord counts this, but it says online 186, but that's obviously okay. people who are just like signed in and stuff. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty active. Honestly, you can ask a question, get answers and stuff, and there's a bunch of channels. But nice. That's good. Cool. Uh, I, I tried to ask about like disposing of Tumblr liquids on Reddit like a while ago mm -hmm. and Almost all the replies were just like jokes. Yeah. Because, um, like, that's Reddit. It's like, oh, put it in your backyard or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. But I, I've kind of given up on s some level researching things that way. Yeah. It's like, 
I've talked about it before, but finding information has gotten pretty difficult because of like, you know, like you mentioned the discord community thing. Well, you can't like, that's not a crawled, that's not a like Google crawls websites. Like, yeah. Yeah. For, for parsing information. Yeah. They're, they're not crawled. Any of those communities are not. So like if you Google a question and somebody's answered that like a hundred times, but it was in discord or like Instagram or something, there's no way for you to know that kind of thing. And this like breaking of information is pretty rough as far as finding modern day information on stuff. So, I mean, there's still forums, but they are not anywhere near as active as they used to be. Kind of thing. I think about that with just like people just saying stuff vocally yeah. or, you know, in like paper, you know, cause I'm into scissors stuff. So there's just like, you can't search anything. And I don't, and I doubt there's discord communities or not, not that I saw. Yeah. There's a huge amount of information that even, even just me personally, like going through whatever you're struggling with during that day and like you talking about it with somebody else over something gets lost to, you know, history or just lost to the void. And, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's like when I was doing like I'm printing those boxes or whatever. And like the yep. PTG as support thing works really good. And like, luckily 3d printing is still, or is a, has a very large community that are very yeah, active on the internet and then on yeah. Reddit and stuff. So there's a lot of information, but I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that I learned doing that, that I didn't find online. And I'm like, what would be the best medium to actually uh, make that information public. And I think probably just doing like a blog post on the website is cause then that's yeah. searchable by Google, but I don't know that stuff. And you know, that stuff takes time to curate it and make it not word garbage kind of thing. So I don't know, but yeah, interesting. Cool. I like the idea. Hopefully the, like that becomes a feasible option. That'd be really cool to yeah. look through it easily. Yep. So yeah, information is key <laughs> yes i mean yeah there's i don't know i maybe i'm crazy but i've i've noticed there's a there's a generation gap in this industry you have the old people who should be retired that you know have all the knowledge in their brain mm-hmm. and then you have people in their you know 30s or younger like us and it's all the older smart people don't frequent the internet too often and the very few that do are you know that's where most knowledge comes from yeah so it's, you know, it's either experience that you've learned in previous jobs or if you're lucky enough to have an apps guy to call or trial and error. Yep. Lots of trial and error. So much trial and error. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some kind of strange age thing that goes on in this trade that isn't in other trades, or at least not that mm-hmm. I'm aware of. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just there's so many facets too to this trade. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, depending yeah. on who you're talking to, they'll have no experience in the thing you're having a problem with, but yeah, they've right. been in manufacturing their entire lives, kind of thing. Yep. Yep. I mean, I like researching, exploring almost anything. And so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely true with machining that it's like a huge deep field, but, you know, it, it could be just every field is that way. When I first started trying to learn, guitar in the pandemic you know you think it's just one thing and then it splits into two because there's acoustic and electric and then there's slide guitar then there's a million pedals and different you know humbuckers versus single coils and uh classical guitar is a third category and like you just realize that like you thought the hill you had to climb was a really big hill but it's actually an even bigger mountain yeah 
and I think there's probably truth about every field where, you know, the more you try to learn, the more you realize there's, there's more to learn. Yeah. I don't know anything. I'm still learning everything every day. Maybe one day I'll know something. Yeah. That's a good, good stance to have, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I have like things to talk about though. I've already been talking about plenty, but yeah, they're like random stuff from what I've been doing. And then just like, I guess, general questions, the, the typical end of year questions, everyone and their mom's heard of. Right. We did this last yep. year too, didn't we? Am I crazy? Have we been doing this for a year? <laughs> I think so. I mean, this would, I guess this would be our second Christmas episode. Yeah. Cause I vaguely Car-Hide remember Christmas cast. Yep. I remember you also, you last year had a list of questions. Yeah. And I felt very underprepared cause I didn't have any of that. Don't worry. I'm always underprepared too. <laughs> Some of these I don't know how to answer myself. <laughs> yep. Well, let's go yeah, for it. it. Um, okay, so anything you wish happened this year that did not? I just wrote that down, so that's doesn't sound very um Englishy. But well, like that I I mean that's uh, a big oof on like, me or whatever uh less dumb way to say it. Uh, I definitely wish I had started selling in like a more regular way. And, okay. uh, you know, I think a lot of delays in the beginning of the year to getting the Haas is part of that. And maybe mm-hmm. some other stuff that's me in the later part of the year and personal stuff. But I think, uh, I think things are looking really good when maybe I will talk about my, my, uh, week or two, uh, once it gets back around mm-hmm. or, or we're finished with questions for sure. Um, but that's definitely the main thing. So basically, any goals that you wanted to happen that didn't this year? Well, um, yeah, that's what I'm. Or oh, well, I don't know if you're reiterating yeah. the thing to me. Yeah, basically, I was going to ask David a question, but it's basically like, was there something you were hoping that was going to happen that you, you know, did poorly or didn't get to, or whatever, something like that? Okay. All negativity. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, just with me, for sure, I wanted to sell a second pair of scissors by now, but yeah. it's, uh, you know, stuff we've talked about. Do you yeah. feel like because of the way you sold the first one, it put this expectation both in the community and on you that is very hard to kind of get over? So that's kind of how you find yourself. Th- that's part of that it. Way? That's part of it. I also just think there's this thing that's hard to explain when you're developing a product, I guess I'll say, mm-hmm. which makes it sound like I know what I'm doing, where uh, I think you just have a lot more breakthroughs at the start, you know, and you have, uh, you figure things out, you figure out what's a good design versus a bad design, and you have like a lot of breakthroughs, but there's always diminishing returns with things. And so I think I kind of got to a point uh, this year and last year where uh, there were breakthroughs that still kind of needed to happen. There were things that I had to figure out, but it wasn't just as simple as like, oh, research this, do that. Um, again, I'll talk about it maybe in a in a little bit, but it, it was just stuff that like you you think doesn't really help or isn't that useful until you combine it with something else. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, this is, and so it's like stuff where it's like, oh, 
you know, I feel like I, you know, uh, I could have done all this in, in, you know, a month, but I couldn't have done it all in a month because I had to just try stuff or bang my head against the wall or, you know, be lucky to, to have those breakthroughs. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it really feels like I've, I've, I, you know, I mean, I've said this a million times, but, you know, it feels like I'm at the end where it's like I've, I've figured out all that I need to learn. I don't know. I'll talk about it more later. Okay. Um, hopefully there's some more positive questions too. Right. Yeah. Let me, let me just think of one right now. Go ahead, Dale. though. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's see, I have a couple things that pop into mind. Okay. Um, so one is I really wanted to get, uh, like better proper benefits for the company this year, specifically insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is something that maybe could still happen, but trying to figure that out is very difficult and I haven't made a lot of headway on that. Right. So that was one goal I wanted that didn't happen this year so far. Um, and then I have a couple other like small ones, like shop improvements. Like I really wanted to get the, the blue PVC line for, for airlines throughout the shop. Yep. Um, you know, kind of things along that nature, hiring another assembly person. Um, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, those, those are pretty big in my mind. I mean, doing yep. full airlines for, you know, even a couple machines in a shop is mm-hmm. still requires quite a bit of planning. Yeah. So, I mean, it's even worse because, uh, Martin, he mocked everything up on a couple of the different sites that, you know, offer these products and services. Mm-hmm. Um, like we got everything like down to the quotes like 25, 2700 bucks. Um, but then some other expense comes up. That's more important. Like our AC going down or an unexpected, uh, tooling charge because i didn't know that i was not getting charged for the net 30 things like that so yeah yep Hmm. but it's gonna happen that's the next next expense relevant expense is that well it sounds like you can that one shouldn't be too hard to knock out as long as your ac doesn't go out again (laughs) yeah well i mean it's winter so even if it does we have time this time yep I mean, we've we. I think every single component on that AC has been replaced except for the outer case of it and the actual compressor. Mm. So that's wild. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but yeah. I think those are the like relevant goals that I. I didn't really set them as goals this year, but I, you know, I would have liked to have those done by now. Yeah, I I try not to do like the the goal thing. Like I think about uh-huh. where I would want to be and where right. I currently am. Yep, and. That's, I guess, what I count as a goal, but like New Year's resolution or anything like that. I think they're kind of silly because yep. it's like, yeah, I've never if, done them. Yeah. If you thought it was good enough at New Year's, why wasn't it good enough like in November? Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. So oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, because IMTS happened last year and I was in a state, I feel like I'm in the same state but like five percent forward or ten percent forward and then talking about like when david was talking about all the small little things making big progress in the beginning it's very like 80 20 rule but then yeah. it feels like 95 five percent rule so like you know you're how do you explain this i think everyone knows what the 80 20 rule is but I actually don't oh okay so like it takes only 20% of the time to get 80% of the work oh, done. Yeah, but the yeah, last, yeah, but the last like 20% takes 80% of the time. I think that's how uh-huh. it's like one way to describe it, but it's kind it of can, like that. It, it's it kind sense. of, it's also just kind of a, an, uh, a common exponential, uh, sort of distribution that 
coincidentally shows up lots of places. And so like, I think it's also called the Pareto principle because someone a long time ago discovered in Italy that 20% of people owned 80% of the land in Italy <laughs> and kind of followed that sort of distribution. Yeah, it, It's, it's kind of a similar distribution with wealth where like, uh, you know, uh, even, even like among millionaires, there'll be a similar distribution of billionaires ratio to millionaires. Um, if you know what I mean, like it, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a, a fractal or something. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm going off the rails and, yeah. uh, uh, it was um, started as an almost correct explanation. Yeah. I think people the like, you know, if you set out to make a knife, like, and you haven't made a knife before. Well, it's like, I got the blade and I got the handles. It's like, well, you're literally 70% there. But the thing doesn't work together. So then it's those little getting those those small bits and pieces together that take a very long time. And that's like that's what I, I always tell people because I I, you know, in my early twenties took all these classes about, you know, welding or shoemaking or or jewelry or whatever little things I could. And people would be surprised at like how good my first whatever came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always tell people like, no, 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 it's, it was easy. And it's like, I'm not good at everything. I was, I was just like, you know, the hardest part is always like getting started. And then you actually can make progress like pretty fast if, if you know, you have a teacher and people help you. And yeah. then a lot of people I think make the mistake is they kind of stay at that level and, and, um, and maybe even I, wanted to make, you know, have made this mistake where you immediately want to start a business or something, uh, when often, you know, you kind of need to make the second one and, and then see like, Oh, you know, there's like so much that can be improved. And then finding the place where you stop improving is, is the challenging part. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't think I finished my IMTS uh, what oh, yeah. I was talking about on that side, but basically, so IMTS was last year, which is crazy to think about because it was in November, I think. And I was mm-hmm. at IMTS and I was like, you know, this time next year, like this show would be a lot more relevant. Well, that's <laughs> farther <laughs> from the truth because I have less money than I did this time last year. So it's like you think at the beginning of the year or whatever beginning of a period, you're like, we can definitely get there because we're this close kind of thing. And I've definitely made like a ton of like high progress in a lot of different things. But like at the end of the day, the thing that should have been happening, which was selling knives was really not happening, even though like it was like, okay, it's just this last thing I need to, you know, make it big. Like now I'm on a roll kind of thing. And it's like, they're in like very small waves. It feels like where it's like, you get to this milestone and you do these things. And especially for me, the problem is I can get very deep on like stupid small things. And like, <laughs> I know people appreciate that on a level, but you know, at the end of the day, like I still have to sell things and survive kind of thing. And you can't sell th- like that beautiful chamfer ha- that has no visual step overs honestly like you can to a degree but if you spend like a week working on that one chamfer you know what i mean like you can't exactly you won't survive long enough to sell more pretty chamfers, no. kind of thing so yeah. there's like 
there's a really hard balance that I have a really, I'm actively aware of it. And I try to actively ask myself like, okay, is this actually worth my time to do? And luckily I find myself going, no, this is not worth my time. I'm just going to like, it works. I'm going to move on. But it doesn't mean I don't still get caught in those, those things where you spend, you know, a couple hours working on something that like, you know, knives have already gone out the door or whatever has already gone out the door that had that problem and nobody cared. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's, it's a tough balance and I don't want to say, I hope this time next year it's in a, I'm in a better position, but I'm just in like the position of, uh, it feels like there's no movement, but there's a lot of stuff I look back on that was greatly improved kind of thing. So, well, I don't know, yeah, I, I'd like to say, cause you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't want this whole episode to be a bummer and, but I think this is stuff that like probably a lot of people are going through. I mean, especially after we've had a couple or, you know, a few insane years and maybe it's hopefully getting uh, better for most people, but I'm sure for a lot of people it's been a struggle. And, um, but, but, to, you know, I think that you have to give yourself credit. You know, I, um, you know, I think I was talking to my dad about this and, and I think I was, I was telling him that, you know, I feel like this year wasn't progress, uh, because, uh, you know, I sold one last year and I didn't sell one this year. So therefore this year wasn't progress. Uh, but to him, he was surprised cause he thought this is, this year was progress. You got the Haas. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge deal. And so yep. like to him, it was like, just, he just kind of was defining things in a totally different way. And, um, you know, like, I'm not saying that just purchasing something is an achievement or whatever, but you know, there's a lot that surrounds that. And there was a lot of difficulty getting to that point. And, and even, you know, a purchase like that in and of itself does have difficulty to it. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think I'm not sure what is all happening in your lives. Um, but I also think I've probably made like some of the biggest, improvements in my personal life uh like i've ever made in you know this year Mm -hmm. and uh and so you know i i hope that uh you guys can come up with things that that uh do make you feel like this year was was uh you know i hope you guys give yourself credit for something yeah for sure yep so what is what's something you can give yourself credit for dalen How, how about we can help each other how about this uh, maybe we should have done this at Thanksgiving. No, no, this isn't that. No, we're not doing thankful. You came up with a, a whole new product that's completely different than any other product you made, which is a pen. Yeah, well, I mean, let's see. I mean, honestly, looking back, this year has been like really, really good. Yeah, I mean, um, we purchased two new machines. We hired another person. Um, things are going honestly pretty well. We're a little bit behind on orders right now, but I mean that's a good thing that that's a good problem to have. So, I mean, honestly, it's been a, it's been a really good year. I mean, in a lot of ways you deserve more credit for doing cool things like getting machines, getting a new product. Uh, you deserve more credit because it was kind of a financially hard year for you in a lot of ways, right? It was. Yeah. And so Um, the fact that you still made it here and are doing this like configurator stuff too, and also trying to develop other products, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you did the videos with, uh, uh, Will Hirsch this year, right? Wow, that was this year, I think. Yeah, it was. I mean, this year feels Time like it went wild. by so fast and also like 
a lot happened. I, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, new two new products this year. One of them is basically ready for release. One of them is almost ready for release. So that's cool. Nice. Yep. I guess two two new products that are entirely separate from the Bally side of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as far as progress goes, I would say uh, as little time as I've known you, this year seemed pretty explosive as far as like direction yeah. goes. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it was a very good springboarding year for sure. Appreciate uh, it. I mean, yeah, it feels that way for sure. Um, yeah. Trying to make sure that we stay successful. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, David shopping the Haas that's, you know, getting three phase. That's a huge, huge thing for sure. Yeah. That was a hell of an endeavor. Yeah. That and obviously a- all the, the side stuff that like, I know all of us do a bunch of stuff that we never uh-huh. talk about. And I'm yeah. sure there have been many hours of you toiling away on some, some scissor right. feature that you haven't even mentioned kind of thing. So, well, well, so like to, to, to say a couple things, uh, like, like if I can just, I'll just talk about the scissors real quick that I kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, like, uh, uh, I think I've figured out bending scissors. <laughs> It's oh, taken so long and been so confusing. And I might have already talked about some of this, but it's hard to remember. But I made two I, I think I think a few things have kind of added together. And so I, I maybe I still don't understand anything, but it all has worked together where I'm making scissors where it's like, oh, I can kind of tweak this and oh, I can kind of get results I want, and it cuts fabric nicely. Nice. And so, so some of those elements that combine together were, uh, you know, a long time ago, the change with lower hardness, of course, you know, was a good one that I, I just don't think I could do anything remotely close to what I want to do at like 62 Rockwell. Um, but then more recent upgrades is, is one I wanted to make like fake handles for so long. I've like kind of tried to work on the blades just on their own with nothing attached to them. Cause that's seemed smart, mm-hmm. but they don't have handles They're If they're not like scissors where it's just, you know, one piece of metal right. uh, per blade with the handle attached. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know, whatever. Uh, and so what I, you know, I was getting some good results, but uh, it kind of meant, you know, you couldn't easily adjust them while they're assembled as scissors. And uh, so I wanted to make handles that I could use to possibly bend them with blades attached and not feel bad about messing up parts that potentially could be sold or I could learn from. Uh, and so I made handles that instead of having like a, a separate pin piece and complicated button, they just kind of screw on and they screw on with thumb screws so you can take them on and off easily. Mm-hmm. And then I also made a block that has slots in it, kind of like a comb that I can use to bend blades and these yeah. two things combined really work well together. And it seems like so simple. And like, you know, it's not like I haven't tried anything similar. Even even in my video, I mean, I think a lot of the time in earlier videos, I was just like opening the visa crack and kind of holding a blade, bending it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I didn't have that leverage or the blades were harder. You know, I've tried so many different things, but finally like some things combined. The little back pocket might help. I also made a jig to sharpen blades better and, and use my sandpaper more efficiently. Uh, but that's 
not as important. And, and so just like, uh, you know, uh, adding more material before tumbling to make sure I actually do get a sharp edge and I'm not having rounding over. Um, talking to Grace Horn and understanding a little bit about more about the curve. Uh, it's like finally starting to like slowly, I, I like these little tools and things still might, uh, they're, they're still like awkwardness to them, but it's like, I can kind of just get some, you know, instead of being like happy, they cut paper and then hoping like 25% of them cut fabric. It's more like, you know, is it going to be 80, 90% this time, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so it's, that's a huge, uh, uh, jump in my ability and understanding. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think like, you know, there's other stuff I could talk about. I did make videos this year. I, I made a few and, and I, I think I've did less because I wanted to spend more time just figuring things out like I did. Um, but, you know, I, I think like there was also stuff that I, I really thought would be key, like the screw, which I still think uh, learning how to, to Loctite the screw in place uh in in the right way or or other permanent solutions i might uh explore um experimenting with that i think has also helped get the the reliability up um but the bending stuff was always you know so elusive and and i think you know it's like a scarf a silk scarf in the wind and it's it's always just out of reach and finally i kind of grabbed it a little <laughs> nice yeah. nice Okay, someone else talk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have more questions, John? Um, basically, just the the opposite of that. Is there something you know in the? This is very like goal setting. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, wait, hold on. Like, I, I think uh, what I really want to do is uh, let's talk more about you, you, John. Like, I think there's more more things you should give yourself credit for. You went to a, a convention. Uh, to sell knives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was um, cool. and it, and it sounds like you've just, uh, continually like increased how quick you're able to make knives. Right. I'm like, I always find myself in a weird position where I'm like, yeah, I can now make knives faster, but for some reason during the day, like I'll work all day and I don't have a knife at the end of the day. And I'm like, what happened today? Hmm. hmm. Yeah. yeah. Someone, probably just needs to follow me around and hit me with a piece of wood or something when I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I gotta, I gotta do this one thing. No. Yeah. Well, you want me to come I, out I mean, there and task master you. Yeah. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, it's, it's like a little embarrassing, but like, uh, I, I like was finding myself in a similar situation and it's tough when you're working for yourself Mm -hmm. And so I started kind of doing like daily update emails with my dad where uh, it's 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 not about like keeping track of your time. It's just like uh, here's like the key things I worked on mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, here's what I hope to work on tomorrow. And it's just like a few bullet points where it's just like, hey, I 3D printed this. I machined that, you know, there you go. Yeah. And uh I'm still figuring out why I do it or why I want to do it. And, 
how I want to do it, but like it is kind of helpful because uh, it's kind of like giving yourself credit. Like I said, I, I think you have to, I, I try to take photos of stuff I make too, because you got to have things where you like accidentally bump into it and remind yourself like that you made something or did something. Um, and I think this is another way of doing that. And another way of just being like, you know, what do I need to do tomorrow? It's just another to-do list and it's good to, it's good to end your day kind of setting yourself up for tomorrow so that you don't wander in being confused at what to do and just start doing random stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, like, as far as it, so I can, like, I can pretty much with a 90% confidence now walk up to any of the, the parts that are on the, on the rack and they will go together and they That's will huge. complete a knife, which is like, you know, this time last year was basically an impossible feat where yeah, I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand what tolerances need to change for something right. like that to happen. I'm just going to start guessing kind of thing. And so you know, like, getting closer to interchangeable parts, like I, I think we, I went through the similar thing where I'm I'm basically there at interchangeable parts. And I don't think I was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then so like, I, I mean, there there is so much to talk about as far as like at least it, what feels like a ton of changes that I've made with on the outside doesn't look like much just because I really have stopped or have really slowed down sharing, I guess. And I just feel like I'm in a weird position where I don't want to share or I feel like, like I have, I don't know, like anxiety overdoing it because I feel like I should be working instead or like it's not enough progress, even though like it's a lot of progress and I mean, the, it, it's the, the same thing right? it, it, if if you work on if you work on instagram or, or youtube it's not directly making you money so it feels you feel bad doing it right um, or if it makes you money it's a small amount of money it's the side thing well um, there's... but you also feel bad if you do do it be i mean sorry you, you you feel bad if you don't do it and you feel bad if you do do it you feel bad because it it waste times you also feel bad because if no one sees you working then people will think you're lazy <laughs> yeah well as far as like the social thing goes it's like i have my feelings on it are are very mixed i need to do it more and i definitely owe the people you know my customers i owe that to them i actually i really believe that i just find myself having a hard time bridging that gap and actually doing it and I don't know if it's just how I've always been or it's just like the period of my life or the way the business is, but well, is it, is the goal to, um, is, is the goal to get new customers or is the goal to reassure customers who are waiting for their knives that you're actually making it? Well, it's both. And the thing is like, like you said, if you spend time doing that and, and in all reality, like, it's not a big deal to spend the 10 minutes a day to set something up, to be able to post once a day and answer some questions. Like, no, I don't have to answer all the questions that all the DMs, whatever, or like you don't have to make a complicated post. Like you can schedule things. It's just taking the time and switching focus and doing that on top of like what I feel like is a bunch of other stuff that I should be doing like the book spots or, you know, something I should be working that would help me make knives faster. That ends up becoming like put on back burner. But 
there's a lot of like little small things we could talk about in regards to that kind of stuff, but I I don't know. (laughs) Well, do you feel like, uh, like they need to be all the same system? Like, um, you don't necessarily have to answer any DMS to people who aren't customers. Um, you know, I, I think most companies probably don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, uh, as for like the actual customers, you know, maybe you need a separate system, like a Domino's pizza tracker of, of, uh, Hey, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm making the parts for this many weeks and I hope to have assembly on this many weeks, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you could, you could, uh, and I'm not, if I wanted to set something up like that, I wouldn't be far away. I find like a lot of the things I set up that I'm like, this is the system. This is, you know, this is the best thing ever. I will just do it that one time and then not (laughs) do it again. And it's very like, it's frustrating because I'm actively aware of the fact that like, Hey, I had a system for this. But because it's been a month since I used that system, I've lost confidence in that system. I've forgotten how to use the system or like, I don't like that system now. I'm going to make another system. So you end up like, I just have systems in place everywhere for like everything. Like grab any, any, any part you want. Like we'll say pivots. Okay. How are we tumbling pivots this week? Are they going in a fancy fixture are they getting zip ties are they getting like am i going to pick them out by hand and wash them with a brush or am they going to go in the ultrasonic cleaner like there's there's a lot of like hey i tried this i liked it and then it's been x amount of you know hours that's 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 what i struggle with too i uh um i struggle with that too where there's there needs to be like some kind of judgment criteria and and it's really hard when it's not just like oh this didn't work this did work this did crash this did break it in like when it's stuff where it's just like this is a pretty good finish but maybe it could be better it's yeah. hard to like not just keep changing and tweaking things and and you get random results and don't always keep track of it perfectly yeah how, so how about this for a a very current example so the backspacers are a uh, relatively complicated part and I'm very happy with the way they go from like op one to op 3.5 or whatever in this case that I'm calling <laughs> it because of like a weird probing routine for engraving. Oh, right. or whatever. Um, so they, and this ties back months ago to another issue I was dealing with. So I'm doing this thing where, and Grant said this at the beginning of the year, I think, cause I was talking about probably exactly the same problem Like, I want to walk up to the machine, be like, today I need blades, and I want to be able to load the tools, load the stock, and hit the go button without opening Fusion and feeling like, did I update that tool path? Like, is it the most up-to-date thing? Is there something I could update? So, like, I've been working towards that goal of, you know, setting uh, a production folder, if you will, that has Mm -hmm. the specific parts with the tool lists. And, like, in the folder itself... Like, let's say it's the folder for backspacers. Well, there's literally a tool load list in that folder. And if you run the tool load list, like you grab those tools, those tool tag numbers, you load them in the machine and you run the tool load list, it'll automatically measure every single one of them. 
specifically for making those parts. And then you load the stock and then you hit the go button because you're supposed to have confidence in the last time you posted that code, it's good and you don't feel like making tweaks. So I've been working towards that. And a lot of the parts are like very uh, set in stone to where like I'm happy with them. Handles, for instance, feel like have always been good. But there's this finish on the backspacer and it's the longest part of the backspacer, like the hole that you insert the driver in to get to the uh, clip yeah, screw. Oh yeah. Yep. It's on that long-sided shoulder, and that shoulder is not, it's not a straight line. It's like a control point spline. Yep. It's just like a really shallow uh, curve. So by the time it gets all the way to this op 3.5, so it goes from a flat pallet all the way to the tombstone, and I think it gets handled three times. This 3.5 is, that's because of, like I said, a weird probing routine. Yeah. By the time it gets there, the finish on just that side of the backspacer is garbage. Like there's actually these, these weird indentations in the vertical wall. It's a normal like 90 degree wall. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what actually is causing this? And at one point I was like, the mill is not something's wrong with the mill. So (laughs) this is when I took the mill apart trying Uh to figure this out. And this isn't like, yeah, I didn't just do that because of this one thing. Like I definitely right. look at every single process and I'm like, okay, it's not tool path, whatever. And like the backspacers come off the machine just fine. What I had to do with them is go over to the buffing wheel and spend, you know, 45 seconds per backspacer and buff them. And then they'll tumble really good. And that's the only thing that I am unhappy with on these backspacers. Mm-hmm. So what did I do today? I was like, okay, I can figure out why that thing is doing, why that yeah. thing is making those <laughs> marks. And so as time goes on, you get a little bit better. And I'm almost certain it's in op one. It's caused by, for some reason, the roughing path, the lead in causes these bumps. And like, it's not because of like tool point, like the, you know, mm-hmm. tool path points or just like anything like really out of the ordinary for some reason this five flu end mill with this specific feed per tooth like lead in feed rate causes it to and it's in a very like rigid setup just cut deeper whenever it does like its adaptive roughing swirling path you know what i'm talking about where it kind of like eats away the material Uh those little bites cause these these dips and and it's like it's crazy because there's 15 thou left on this this outer surface all the way until that last stop where it gets an actual final contour. Uh-huh. And that, yep. that finish translates all the way through uh, another, uh, like a semi-finish end mill and a final finish end mill. It's just enough of these bumps to cause the end mill to, uh, you know, get pushed out of the way or whatever when it yep, sees. Deflect on that area. Yeah, just, you know, it's an uneven tool, essentially. But it's like, it's like bringing it all the way around. Hopefully I don't, I'm probably going to lose what we were talking about. (laughs) But (laughs) like everything was fine. It's just that, you know, it only took, it takes 45 seconds to like um, polish those backspacers good enough to where they're tumbling at a, like a quality I want. But of course I was like, Okay, I can figure out why it's doing that. 
you know. Yeah, so so to distill the lesson down is it it's like you know, you spend all this time messing with the machine, taking the machine apart, all this for something that you could have just done by hand and, you know, dealt with it. And maybe you figure it out later. And maybe you sell more knives in the meantime and you buy a Kern and you don't have to figure it out later. There's there's a part of me, and I think it's it's kind of unfair to have this mindset, so I kind of just put it away. But like... Am I at the period where I felt like a lot of people were where they're like they're right there and it's like the start of being able to ramp up or am I just lying to myself and because of the way that I do things, I won't ever get to that like ramp up period. Like I'm always trying to build the ramp. You know what I mean? Instead of like climbing the ramp. Well, what if what, what if you did this, John? What if you made sure every program you have is like safe to run it, you know, it won't crash. Mm-hmm. And what if you just made like 10 knives and sold them and then just asked yourself, am I okay with the quality of the knife that came out of it and the time and everything that came out of it? Uh, or do I need adjustment? Now here's the key. That's not the end point. The next point is, Whatever you decide, whether you keep the process the exact same or not, you decide how many you're going to commit to for changes. So it's just another 10 with whatever change you make, but then you're sticking to it for 10. So you're saying if you if you update something, you only update it for the next batch kind of thing. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So like, and but but again, also the introspection where you like ask yourself like does this really need you know yeah you just pick something like because some stuff like the tumbling pivots it sounds like you just got to pick something yeah so I actually that was also something I fixed like really 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 well in the last three months between like the insane lathe like aligning stuff that I did <laughs> yeah both like yeah. learning how to do that because like as much information is is out there like nothing is that specific. And then, like, just, you know, 3D printing that that spindle liner just to get the bars to have, be that much, like, a little bit supported caused the taper to go away off the pivots, which caused the blades to, like, swivel and, like, roll really nice. So it's just, like, one of those things. And, yeah. like, this finish on the backspacer is, like, yes, I am this way, but... Am I actually like that close to being able to just hit the go button and run knives? And is just is this just the normal like way that so you're saying like maybe things? all the fussing around with the tumbler, you actually net saved time because by going to the root of the problem and fixing the lathe, you know, now things just work and, and you save time from not having a bunch of stuff that doesn't work and has to be fixed and hand polished. Right. So like all this stuff really boils down to like, can you survive long enough to still make money and be able to fix these things where it's not so detrimental to you to, you know, have them fixed. Like oftentimes you have a problem come up and you weigh the, you know, what you have to do to solve that problem. You go, is that worth my time right now? And like, if you decide that it's not, whatever it is just gets put on the side. 
And sometimes those things that you put on the side end up solving themselves. And sometimes they come back up and they actually cause you 10x the problem or 5x the problem you thought it wasn't going to cause kind of thing. So like, for instance, the mill makes still makes a noise and like going up and down in Z and rapid makes a horrible noise. But like, is it at this point I am choosing to basically go, I cannot take the thing apart again and spend time doing that when the parts that come off the mill are just fine as far as like Z goes. And it's probably something silly like the front sheet metal cover, just like metal on metal sliding, which is not a big deal. But there are definitely times that I I come to these decisions and I go, it is not worth my time. Like I, I it's hard to describe how I am without sounding like crazy. But what it is is like what I ask myself is this is this a normal process? It does it really take this long to build something and like grow something out of it and you know make money? No, I think about that all the time. I think about like Shark Tank and I'm like, this mom didn't learn to make injection molds for this idea. Like, you know, am I am I doing this the dumbest way possible? Well, what what I'm thinking is like, am I doing it the way that everyone else has done it? Nobody says anything anymore because they're already past that stage. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, right? Other people we watch or follow, like there, you know that there were points where it was like this, where it was just like every single fire had to get put out because that's just the way it was. And then at some point it was just like, you know, oh, I can put that on back burner because we have good processes here and there. I, I like, think there's some of that, but I also think there is like good and bad decisions where like not not that this is always a bad decision, but this is why I've been more apprehensive about used machines. You're, you know, you're talking about like at some point you have to stop thinking about your part of your machine. Before I was yeah. making videos, I, I had my Tormach for like a whole year or two. And I spent so much time like adding upgrades or or adding, you know, my own modifications to it or trying to improve how the coolant was filtered and stuff. Mm. And it's like at some point it's like I, I just want to make parts and like that that can be especially frustrating in the machining hobby, you know, I found because trying to talk to other machinists and stuff, or or if you are a hobby machinist, so much machining stuff is just about working on other machining stuff. You know, here's how to make a die holder or something. And yeah. and it can be hard to just, you know, like really plow through and just be like, what what do I actually want the end thing to be? Yeah. And I, I, I realized it was not, I don't want to put together CNC machines or clean them or, or, uh, you know, I, you know, I can do those things, but I, I, it's not what I value the most. Yeah. It feels like some of these decisions are like, if, for instance, the easy one is like the mill breaking. Well, you could have 10 people come to you and be like, is this worth your time? And you could make a very compelling argument and all 10 of them would go, yeah, this is worth your time because if the mill breaks, you physically cannot do anything. You can't right. now yeah, make yeah. things with nothing. But mm-hmm. like, but you yourself has have to be like, but can I get away with, you know, not doing the thing or whatever? Like, it's, I don't know, that, there's a that's... lot of thought to everything kind of is what it feels like. I don't know. You go on and on about 
whatever yeah. we're currently talking about, but <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, I mean, I some, I mean, I think sometimes I'm sure you guys have even thought about it in terms of your own physical or mental health, where it's like, how, how far do I push myself and my body, and you know, before I do permanent damage, and uh, you know, it can it can feel like I just need to go a little bit, and then maybe I'll figure out eating healthy or something. And yeah, I'm so it's like, I'm what still do you working do? on that one. I'll find out eventually. I'm sure, we're all. I, Everyone on Earth is still working on that one, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, don't compare yourself mm -hmm. to others. Be happy with your progress. <laughs> yes. That's a very good takeaway. Yep. And you either make it or you don't. Compare yourself yep. to others if you also are giving yourself credit for all the good things you've done. Yeah. I'd, like, I'm, not, I'm not adamantly against anything, really, it feels like. But there is something to be said for comparing yourself against others because sometimes it can help you push yourself but sometimes no, no, no. I, I don't i i just meant together. it's really difficult not to but oh yeah right it's yeah. also difficult not to you know it's it, you know try to give yourself credit that's hard too and so work on that as at the yep. same time yep i think the most impactful thing this year was the lathe getting getting that thing yeah uh, Learning one, learning how to align it properly, it was like a big deal. And then that's huge. Getting it actually making good parts was like such a huge like, wow, these parts come off this thing, and like I'm actually proud of these parts is a very uh -huh. rare thing. It feels like, but like, yes. like the pivots come off of it, and I'm like, you know, it's not that old of a late. It's it's old. It's a like 2004, but it's like yeah. the fact that this machine at at you know what it is who used it before me like really used it and it still produces this quality of a part is is really awesome actually but like actually it was one of those things that spending the time was worth it but it was a long time yes there and, is and something well, go sorry go, go ahead dalen oh, i was just gonna say there's something oddly like there's something really proud like wording is hard but for some reason when i get good parts off the lathe I have that same feeling like, oh, I'm pr I'm proud of this part. Like, man, I this is great. I did good. Yeah. I'm getting good parts off the mill. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's good parts. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like it's, it's like you just <laughs> there's something about lids. Yeah. I think it's just because the setup time and like uh -huh. it's always like, is this gonna work? Is this gonna work? Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So like, yeah, I mean, like it, you know, I bought the like the chucks, the the uh the dead length sub mm -hmm. sub chuck for it. And that was like a, I mean, it's still a huge amount of money for me, but like, it is. I think it was, it was used. It was like $2,400 on eBay. It was a risk because it was, you know, used. And like, yeah, right. I had to make, and this was like, this was two years ago now. And I'm finally like mm -hmm. really using it, but I had to make like the adapter that goes oh, onto the, the nose plate? of the sub spindle. Uh -huh. Yeah. Out of like Durabar and stuff. And like, oh. just the amount of work it feels like that to get the right. lead set up is probably where at least my, you know, my feeling comes from getting good parts of it. But like, yep, lathes well, are cool when they work. <laughs> I mean, yes. it's kind of, it's kind of another like psychological technique or, or thing is like checking the facts where maybe you're disappointed in yourself for what you did, um, even after trying to give yourself credit. But you have to remember like, you know, well, what could you have actually accomplished? And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we're just sick or have to go to a wedding or whatever, or a car breaks down. 
uh, or you have to build, you know, rebuild a lathe from scratch, you know, and uh, and so you did, you know, as much as you could have. It, it, it's, uh, it, it, you know, you can't be disappointed because it's not like you could have pulled a Swiss lathe out of your butt. Yeah. 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 Right. For sure. Yeah. I will say that, you know, at least me personally, I worked as, as long and hard as I could. Do I wish sometimes I was a different person and I did things differently sometimes, but I definitely gave it my best shot <laughs> this yeah. year anyways. Oh yeah. So. I mean, you've made killer progress this year. You completely rated all the fixturing on the Haws. That's huge. Yep. Yep. It's been inexpensive. That was, actually, <laughs> actually, that was last year. The fixtures was that last year? year? Really? Yeah, because well, oh. I saw the date on the the blade palette was like September 22, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Dude, time is spooky. <laughs> yeah, time time's weird, but like crazy. That and the the bamboo labs that thing's been yep. killer. But of course, I nice. was like, I found every possible way way to break it in the last month. <laughs> like, How many but, times have you taken the AMS apart to pull filament out of the little out of the little tubes? So, like, you know, I I uh, oh I don't even know what the podcast people are in this. I also caved and got a bamboo printer. Yep. Um, and I had had no problems with filament at all until you guys brought it up and then immediately <laughs> and I and I'm just sad because I so have the suffering. So so I had literally no problems until I was like, yeah, I'm going to make these boxes. And then yep. it was just like it was like the default profile works so good to print things. And then it was like, I need to tweak every single setting because the box doesn't come out <laughs> how I want. And then. The worst part was like the PETG and switching between the two. Mm-hmm. We'll come to find out all that like clogging I was having was because the temperature of the um basically the area above the hot end. So above okay, yeah, like the, the above cool the thin area. Yeah. So right above the extruder where there's like a I don't know what you call it. It's literally just a it's a switch basically. Filament goes through it if filaments through it, it just pushes a little magnet to the side and that tells it, the, yeah. the control that, you know, there's film in there. Mm-hmm. It between just the PTG and the PLA, the PTG printing just a little bit hotter, but the bed temp staying at 55 Celsius and printing for like three plus hours, that's enough to raise the temperature, not of the chamber because the chamber sensor just said it was like 30 Celsius the entire time. Yep. I believe the temperature near the top of the glass where that area is would cause the filament to just get soft enough to bulge right before it would go into the extruder. And that's Wild. what was causing like 90%. Actually, it was causing 100% of all these clogs from all the switching. And all I did was like, yeah, all I did was crack the top glass like oh. an inch. <laughs> And, and it's and, good now. And literally every single problem went away. Oh my god! Wow. And I was like, okay, so obviously it was, you know, it was just enough to get the filament soft and to get clogged up Interesting. there. Interesting. Which is like both uh, frustrating and relieving. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's super interesting, huh? Yep. Yep. So if if you have clogs, that might be 
some helpful thing. And then you like you look it up too. People are like, I've been printing PLA this entire time. And some people are like, I don't know, like I get PLA clogs immediately if I don't crack the door open or the top lid. And I'm like, maybe, maybe it's like a humidity thing or something. Maybe, but like I try to keep the garage really dry. Or altitude. Yeah. I don't know. That's um, super interesting. Huh. Yep. Yep. So no one's solved now, so that's cool. Yep. Yep. There's definitely weird stuff that can happen when uh when the temperature changes. Yeah. There's like you um, know, like your car tires or whatever. Yeah. Doing these like the boxes with the magnets. So mm-hmm. I've like now on a magnet kick for like yep. 3D print things. So I started doing this thing, and this goes back to the tumbling thing, but basically they're just 3D printed holders. And I I talked with you guys about this like two yeah, weeks ago, I think. But like all all you do is there's it holds five pivot screws, for instance. And before what I was doing was I was having to screw a pivot screw and a pivot together in like a steel block. And mm-hmm. because the parts are so tiny, that was the only way to get them to, you know, be findable essentially in the, in the tumbler. Well, I made this 3d printed like block that holds five of them. It's shaped. So there's no like real flat on it. So it can't get stuck on the walls or anything. And you place a pivot screw down and a magnet just holds it in place and there's no you don't have to screw it in with a driver or anything you literally just like pick up a pivot screw place it in the hole the magnet is strong enough and it it can be actually a super weak magnet the magnet's just strong enough to keep it in there from falling out of it as Mm -hmm. it tumbles and that's been like a huge deal and the quality of the tumbling because of that, I don't know if it's the shape of the part that holds it, just allows it to really randomly rotate. It tumbles like in 30 minutes, they're like perfectly tumbled, like as you imagine they should be. Mm-hmm. And That's they're awesome. like, they're not, they're not the hardest thing. They're 17 for H900, but like yeah, the same like, thing. Yeah. Yep. And the same thing with like the, the pivots themselves, but the pivots are a big, a uh, big deal because aligning the lathe and everything fine. Also finally got that like top face to be really dialed in like right to the, the facing. So like all that stuff matters, but it's hard to think about the chain of events that got you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On, on your knives and our knives and everyone's knives here, the pivots are like one of two most critical features. Yeah. Components, yeah I guess. Yeah. Nothing annoys me and makes me happy or more than when a knife goes together and it like actually runs and like, you know, is drop shut essentially. So there's no yep. binding, no friction or anything. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and it's like, I think it was the pivot. See, and that's then, what it was with me yeah. and cutting. It's like, why does this cut good? And this doesn't. It's like, oh, it's yep. this, it's that. And then right. it's like, I mean, that happens like, to us too, even. You know. Yeah, um, like we have like we have really good processes and like and like like for repeatable tunes down to like usually two tenths. Mm-hmm. Um, like our so our bushings need to be oversized by on our blades. That's like usually the most critical part is how much oversized is your bushing from your blade. Yeah, and like we we got we have that down mo- mostly to a science to where it's usually within a couple tenths on every single knife. Mm-hmm. But every so often we'll get one like say our average you know bushing oversize is like a thou and two tenths. Yeah. And that, you know, that gives a good tune, really good, good tune within our tolerances and has good swing and everything. Every so often we'll get one that'll go down to like four tenths total oversized. So like two tenths aside. 
mm-hmm. and it's perfect. And we're just like, why? Why is yeah. that one? Why is that working? <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just so much small stuff mm-hmm. like there is doing doing the hard milling thing and like taper in the pivot bore itself is like oh yeah it's such a huge deal but you kind of just like does the gauge pin fit okay it's good but like right. does your pivot and the pivot bore do they actually hug each other like at a good distance or is it just like at one point because they're both tapered you know they're actually riding on each other yeah and then they start to wear out like that taper relationship is huge as far as like yep. it is uh, you know, side to side play goes and everything. And like mm-hmm. just the one change for the hard milling anyways, and just right. taking the finishing pass with enough material and no like finishing step downs, like mm-hmm. just right at depth and right to size was like a big, just a small, big improvement, I guess, to okay. like preventing taper. Yes. Which is like, it's one of those things that like, I've been fighting this thing for years. And I don't what, know why, but what's now it the works. process to fight taper? So the and it's gonna be dependent on everything. <laughs> yeah, right. But right now <laughs> in this case. Yeah. In this current in this current moment, <clears throat> in this at this level of humidity in the shop, yeah, right. the like leaving enough material in the pivot and then just coming in with a nice sharp end mill, one pass at the correct depth, like no step downs or anything is causing it to have as little taper as I can measure and then being very close to on size. And then I can just barrel lap them essentially. How do you rough it? It's, it's with a one sixteen four flute. Um, well, I don't even know that, but do you use steps and stuff for the roughing? Nope. No steps so, for roughing? No. Cause I have found the hard milling thing. The, if you, it's like, you have on some parts, some features you have to step down because like if it's a fillet or something totally normal, but I have found what I was doing was roughing in steps because I was like, okay, the end mill is snapping because there's too much of a tool load on it. And you know, what's the, what's the solution to that? Okay. Just give it less material and you do this, the step down thing. What I found was it wears the end mill down that last like 25% of the end mill. Yep. If yep. the last 25% of the end mill is worn out and then you rough out the pivot bore and then you come in with a finishing tool, well, the finishing tool is now seeing more material on the bottom part of it, less on the top. You literally have a taper. Yep. Like you've created a taper doing that. So if you can rough with as much of the flute count as you can with as little step down. Well, but see, the, that. What, what, that, that theory makes sense if it's a blind hole. The problem is, is if you rough in steps, but then you keep going until you've done enough of a step below the hole Mm -hmm. that now even every single part of it has used both sections of the end mill, you know, Mm -hmm. then you're cutting the same amount. Um, can you explain that again, but differently? Okay. So (laughs) let's say I'm doing 30,000 step downs with like an eighth inch end mill or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's a blind hole, I and then let's say it's um, you know, it's it's a it's it's a ninety thou deep. So three step downs. If it's a blind hole, I rough it in three steps down, and then I switch tools. Uh oh, pass one, 
was cut. Pass 2 was cut, but then pass 1 was recut by the sharper part of the end mill. Then the last pass, again, uh, rough part cut out the bulk of the material. The end mill middle section cut the middle again, and then the top section got thir- cut by another fresh section of end mill a third time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So there's a blind hole. It's already got kind of a taper, you could say. And then if you bring in another end mill, maybe you'll have problems. But right. if it's a through hole, right, mm-hmm. you could just go uh, another step down. You had a fourth one where you go past it. And yeah, stuff's like recutting, but mm-hmm. like it matters less and less the more there are. And so, you know, you've essentially, uh, um, gotten rid of the problem of the end of the end mill being the most dull because it does the most work. So I, what? Yeah, go ahead. Can, oh, can I double advocate that? Sure. It still matters, but you get what I mean. Why you want to break through past. No, I get that. So okay. That makes sense. Um, and what you're doing is effectively just increasing the tool life in that scenario, but you're still not fully negating the taper and you're also still getting uneven wear along the length of that end mill. Um, if the right. end wears, like say the end, the last 30 thou wears out as it's going down the hole, and then the 30 thou above that has to pick up slack, well, then that's going to start wearing out before the 30 thou above that one, and then above that one, and you're still going to end up with taper in the long run. But I, it, does, I, I, it, it, it does increase the life in that scenario. If, you, if it's a blind hole, you go one more step down. I, I think... Uh, I... Yeah, I don't know. I I think we probably should wrap up soon, but um, <laughs> I just think that whatever's hard. doing the bulk of the cutting is going to dull way faster than the spring passes, unless I don't know. There's all sorts of weird stuff with hard milling and rubbing, and and who knows. But um, yeah, just uh, if you are roughing stuff out and you are helixing down, which also will balance things out better than doing it in steps, I think. Uh, then uh, just break through a little bit. Break through at least past where your end mill's wearing out the most. You're actually going to want to step it down instead of helixing, if you can. That helixing is going to, like, rip the bottom of that end mill to pieces. Okay, maybe there's to be. I mean, <laughs> okay, if we're talking about hard milling, John's probably researched it, but, you know, even in, oh, like, I, 304 I'm, or whatever, I'm I, certainly I helix not. down stuff all the time. Yeah, I am certainly not, sucks. not an expert or anything remotely. You can ask me my opinion, and it changes weekly on what you should be doing. <laughs> on right, yeah. Milling. But yep. like I said, yeah. at the current temperature and humidity, this this strategy is working. Yeah. So I, no, some... I mean, I, I probably should do. I should just give the same thing a try. Yeah. Can I share a couple nerdy machiney things before we call it? Yes. Sure. So. As I think all of you know, but John specifically, um, I, I finally moved away from thread milling on the lathe to, you know, micro 100 single point yep. threading tools. Nice. Um, fantastic tools. Love them. Uh, we did have thread tolerances explode on us when I first went to it because I tried, you know, trying to figure out tool wear on them and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I finally got a large enough sample size uh, with oh these boy. tools in 17.4 H900. I had to make about a thousand scrap parts. But oh, my gosh. Well, it's it's actually not that. It, it's not just, that much money. You were testing I know it's some the, it's some screws. You were testing yeah, for the benefit. Of the I mean, I was trying to make good parts that we could use. Um, inadvertently, I made a thousand scrap parts, but yeah. from that, 
I was able to track the wear over a thousand parts in 17.4 H900. And so now I know what that wear is over that distance. And I also know that I get, I also get about a thousand holes on a single point uh, tool. So, which is, which is pretty wild to me. That's with coolant. It's pretty solid. Yeah. That's, that's just with coolant, uh, 17.4, H900. It checks out to around 46 Rockwell. Yeah. And that's like, that's 660, right? Because that's uh, 664. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like roughly 18 thou thread depth, I think. 13 thou thread depth. It's such a tiny thread. Yeah. It's tiny. Um, But I was able to use that. And so we've capped our tool life to 700 now on these tools. And over 700 parts, the tool wear has to change by seven and a half thou over the entirety of that tool life, which is a lot. And this is on a 350 thou stick out tool. But the screws still work after that much? Well, not if you didn't comp it by seven and a half thou evenly amongst those 700 parts. No, but it's it's crazy. You'd think that the shape would get all rounded over or something. Yeah. No, it it, it just, funny enough, like the cutting edge, it just gets dull enough to where it it finally gives up and the shank just breaks. It doesn't actually like really wear like the point, the radius, the root still is, is good. It just... Well, it just sheared. looks shiny and yeah, huh. it looks sheer. And then it, you know, it just rolls the edge over a little bit and then it finally breaks that shaft off. It's a, it's a tiny little, like, well, I don't, I don't know. I guess that 40 pound diameter. I guess that makes sense. Cause of the, yeah. it'd probably be different if it was a OD, right? Yeah. And so, so it'd, it'd be like stronger. And yep. Yeah. So I basically just wrote a little macro that, um, every 75 parts comp out the, the tool diameter wear by one tenth. Beautiful. Hell yeah. And they, it's it's so good. So that coupled with bringing the tool down to the spindle air blast and blowing it off to get most of the chips off. Yep. Single pointing has been solved for 700 holes. Um, I just got a run of 700 pivots that were perfect over the weekend. Nice. Like, so yeah, it's it, it, super it, exciting. It feels bad, like, you know, when you have to make a thousand parts that are scrapped to, like, figure something out like that but i Uh i sometimes think that i i sometimes think like if i was in charge of a giant company you'd probably have like 10 lathes all doing different experiments like that all the time just like constantly scrapping thousands of parts because you're you're uh making millions of parts and using that information you know right i mean it's it's a balancing act um and like obviously no one wants to make a thousand bad pivots or anything like that's not the goal um, no, and no, like I'm in just larger saying companies that. that have been around for so long, like they, they should, especially on a part that if they've been making for 10 years, they should have dialed in processes. It's just, you know, they had to have the previous knowledge to get there. And that's just where I'm at right now. Well, that's not quite the same exact what I mean. And I mean it in a good way where I've, I've learned, like, if you want to do good tests, you kind of have to be prepared to do a lot. You know, you have to make a lot of scrap parts. Yeah. Lathes. Automate automated production specifically on lathes where it's one part at a time with fast cycle times. That's where the high scrap rates in the beginning just tend to be. Yeah. Um, if like say I had a kern with you know 50 pallets loaded up for handles, if I ever scrapped out a full run of those, I would have to reevaluate my career path. Because <laughs> yeah. that's and I don't know why to me that seems unacceptable where you know scrapping out a thousand pivots over the same probably amount of time over a weekend is more acceptable. That's because blades have a lot of work in them before they even I get mean, there. 
That's fair too. And also, I mean, I don't know. Again, mills are just like, I don't want to say easy because they're not, but like mills are just to be expected, I guess, as you said. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I, 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 yeah. I wasn't trying Maybe to say that. Like, really good. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily about like specifically what you scrap. It's, it's like more what I was saying is it. if you imagine like, uh, the 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 highest end semiconductor company trying to make you know the latest three nanometer chips or something like how much stuff are they scrapping to discover the technology they need to do that you know they're probably scrapping more than a thousand screws i'm sure you know when they're making the the next best formula one engine they're scrapping more than a thousand screws because they're probably doing a lot of tests and are willing to throw out a lot you know it's possible you know that's how you yep. learn. Yeah, totally. And then I have one more sure. fun little tidbit. Yep. Um, All right. We use the same 25 thousand mil for our Torx patterns um, on one of the pen parts that's made out of titanium. It's that cam barrel that you uh, that you kind of helped me walk through the, the 2D wrap contour. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so we found the tool life for that on that specific tool path for that part. And uh, it's 50 parts, which is 10 hours of in the cut time. For this tiny little twenty-five thousand mil in titanium, which is super wow, cool. that's yeah. pretty wild. It's right? just a little, it's a, it's a little part for a pen, and yeah. it has ten hours of cutting time in it. No, 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 no. Uh, how long the tool lasts? Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, it's. I mean, it's still a long cycle time. It's, it's twelve minutes just for that particular part. That I think that entire part is like okay, or nineteen minutes. I should. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yep. time to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, ten hours of in the cut time in titanium on a little twenty-five thousand four foot end mill, I think, is pretty cool. On a that's you know, pretty cool. Lathe. No, that's yeah. pretty cool. Once I remembered what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah, I don't know. Lathes are cool. Um, I've been in, lost in the lathe sauce as of late making pen stuff. So anyway, I'm gonna call it there. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, Good night everyone. Enjoy the rest of your year, as Jordan yes. does. <laughs> it's ominous. Yeah. <laughs>